Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project Podcast. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 176 of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. My name is Tony Rose Deanna and they them pronouns and I'm a designated hype person here at MCP. I am joined by a Bay Area educator and passionate music educator, Marvin Reed. He resides in the Bay Area and is an educator in Berkeley Unified School District. He holds a BA in sociology, MA in higher education and leadership policies and a multiple subjects teaching and administrative service credential. He is currently a doctoral candidate in educational leadership from California State University, Sacramento, where he was the Hornet marching band drum major. He graduates this May, which is really exciting. And so Marvin has judged and been a leadership consultant for many prestigious marching band programs around California. Currently, Marvin is the director of Blue Devils B in Concord, California. Welcome, Marvin. It is so exciting to be in this space with you. And thank you so much for saying yes to the podcast. And what a lovely bio there. And so before we started. What is bringing you joy currently? I think right now, just being in community with everybody. I think definitely, especially finish, just pushing to the end of this program, like I'm just really trying to make up for these three years of just kind of being in that cave of doing like all the coursework and, and the writing. And I'm like, you know what, can we hang out? Can we just spontaneously just texting people are like, blowing up their, their, their phones, sliding in their DMs. I'm like, hey, can, what are you doing today? Let's do this. And they're like, uh, okay. I'm like, yeah, I just need to be with people because I've been behind the screen. So definitely just spontaneous outings, roller skating. Um, yes. this, it's been, I went out <laughs> this past Tuesday. They were like, where have you been? I was like, I've been writing. And I'm so glad to be back with everybody and just in that zone. Um, but I'm just so – I'm just ready to be done with school. Like I'm excited to graduate. Yeah. Because I've been in school since preschool. <laughs> it was a two-year break just when I first started teaching, but that's it. So I don't know what life is like not being in the system, if that makes sense. Like, currently I'm a teacher and a student, so I'm still in the system. But I don't know what my time is going to look like, you know, as, as, as a human. Um, but it just feels like I know I'm probably – I, I, I want to find a therapist for sure, um, especially after doing this research. But I just don't know what it feels like to have that free time and not be – consumed with a project or something to turn in for points, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely going to be a hard adjustment, Marvin, because I mean, you're, you've got so many things happening and it's all really cool things that are happening. And so this is definitely something that I struggled with too, of just how does rest look like, sound like, mm-hmm. feel like for me. And and I'm excited for that journey um, for you. And so listeners, Marvin and I actually met in 2019, I think maybe 2018, 2019. Yeah. At the end of my first teaching, teaching year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a hot minute. Um, and I'm, I love, love, love seeing all of Marvin's posts on social media just because like just so much joy, just so much joy. But before we get into the topic of what we're going to talk about, uh, tell us more about who you are and how you started your education journey. Hmm. Well, uh, I'm a Bay Area native, so I started off in the Bay Area. So I was living in Oakland and raised in Oakland, but I went to Berkeley schools. So um, my mom was commuting, you know, single parent mom commuting every day to from Oakland High Street specifically into you know, Berkeley because yeah, she went to Berkeley schools, and at that time she was like, oh yeah, like this is where I want my son to be. Like he's gonna, you know, get the education he you know he needs here, and and it was just. Growing up in the 90s in Berkeley, which is very, very progressive, liberal, all of like these experiences that I was getting. And I didn't know it was that Jen Jackson, Joni's like, you don't know what you got till it's gone. So like we graduated fifth grade and I moved to Sacramento. So coming from Berkeley, whether it's, you know, breeze by the ocean, you know, it's cool. Sacramento is like 90 degrees every day, hot, flat. And I realized how much cultural capital I got from this district, you know, being able to go to Chinatown, Lawrence Hall of Science, Moaning Caverns, all these like field trips, because I never got to experience that. Like for, for the most part, we stayed at home. We didn't get to, we didn't go out. I think like the biggest trip we went on was Disneyland for like our birthdays, every, you know, every other year or something, but we never went on vacations and, and got to explore. So 
really because of this district, I was able to be, get out and, and, and really build up my identity and what I like and trying different foods and meeting different people. So moved out to Sacramento, pretty much started from scratch. And uh, I had missed out like two months of school, I remember. And I, they gave me a, a placement test. And I always bring this to, to story up to my, my students on this. I'm like, always advocate for yourself, right? So I, I'm, I take the test. And I remember the teacher, there were co-teachers that time. And they gave me the placement test for this Saxon math. I'll never forget. And I'm doing the test. I keep in mind, I've been out of school for, for two months. And I just graduated fifth grade. And I'm in sixth grade. But two months of missing school. So I'm taking the test. And she says, just try your best. And so I remember trying it. I remember writing like, this was pretty hard or I'm stuck or I kind of get like, I was just, like talking on the, on the test. <laughs> I turned it into her. And I guess now fast, fast forward. So we'll go back and forth. The teacher, one of the teachers I'm still like, that's like my close, close, you know, uh, colleague friend, I guess now she's my teacher. I call her, I still call her by her, her last name, but I'm like, what did you think? Like when I came from, you know, the Bay area and the, it's like, well, you know, me and the other teacher, we were, we had some concerns, you know, but we were looking at the test and the other teacher thought, you know, maybe we should put him in special ed. And then the other teacher like, no, I just think he just missed out on a lot of school. Like, let's let's work with him. Like, let's 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 get in. She just the other one just kept advocating for me being special ed. And I and I as she told me that, and I was just like, wow, like just because a child's missed out on days of school, like that's connected to like a learning disability. Like we have to like that 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 misdiagnosing and and the, the tracking. Like I wonder like. What if I went down that road? Would I I'd be here with you today? Uh, and so I was in there, um, went to, off to middle school. But then I think the big shift, the big change happened was definitely around high school. Um, I fell in love with marching band. I loved it. Um, I, I did some you know, music in, in middle school, but the marching band piece really clicked for me in high school. Uh, the community, I was playing trumpet at that time. And... Um, as I was going through that, that journey, this position came up for the drum major. Now, the drum major is not the person that plays the drums. They're a conductor. And at that time, I was also, we were, my mom and I, my brother and sister were moving around Sacramento constantly. Like, we didn't have a house. We were staying in, like, an apartment. And so, basically, I was commuting for probably two and a half hours a day by public transportation to get to school using an inner outer district permit to be just to, just to be in the band and then just to, you know, try out to be the drum major. So um, half of that freshman year, I tried out. I didn't get the position. I was so devastated, but I was a freshman, right? Came back the next year and uh, I was still commuting every day. And I had just posted this on my Facebook the, a few weeks ago, like um, this family who lived not even in my area, because I lived on the, the north side of Sacramento. This family took me home every Tuesday night practice and they didn't have to do it, you know, but they, they took me home every time because my mom didn't have a car. It was just, you know, so she, they, she couldn't pick me up and the, the bus stopped running after a certain time. So they took me home every day for three and a half years. This, this was the family that helped me. And I tried out for the conductor position. I got it and was able just to really um, explore. And I think for me, conducting and music is very therapeutic. Um, and so when I, when I found this skill of conducting and to be able to be in front of an ensemble and to be able to make them get softer, louder, and, and, and I could interpret it with my hands and they would respond. That was powerful to me. And I said, Whoa, I, I want to do this. Like I can, no one will ever have to know about my, my single parent mom and how, you know, we, our home life is, they won't have to, you know, my emotions can be like basically interpreted through conducting. And it just came very natural just to be able to conduct phrases. And it wasn't forced, you know? So I did that. And, and then when senior year ca- happened, I was like, what do I want to do with this? Do I want to go into music education? Do I want to, you know, just, I don't, I don't know what I want to do. And that's when my math teacher, I asked her, I was like, I, I don't know what I, I, don't, I don't know. And she was like, well, you're very social. What about, which isn't not connected as much, but she goes, what about sociology? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> well... I guess that can, I, I, my, my, my senior year. Yeah, sure. So I you know, <laughs> went to Sac State, sociology, loved it. That going there and, and learning what sociology was and all the theory, I was like, oh, this just makes sense. Upper class, middle class, lower class, inequalities. Like it just, I was like, I've lived this. I, I finally am understood versus, you know, when we bring up a microaggression or something and say, oh, you're taking it wrong. No, that's not what happened at all. Like, no, sociology gave me the place to make sense of what was happening in my, in my entire life. Uh, 
And then, you know, I was about to graduate still at that time. I was teaching, I was doing this thing called drum corps. So I was doing the Concord Blue Devils. Um, I had done that award-winning group. Being the drum major for that was, was a complete honor. Um, and I'm glad that's 10 years, uh, 10, 11 years later, now to be the director of, of one of the cores is beautiful. Um, and then went to higher ed leadership where I was like, ooh, I really like advising students and I want to I help them and get them on the pathway. And it, it, I was very green, very green at that time. And, um, you know, life happened. And I said, you know what? I think my purpose is K-12. I think this is where I need to be. And throughout my master's research, a lot of I was looking at black male uh, retention and figuring out, like, how do we get our black males through higher education? Like, what's happening? And I looked at a program on the cam- on campus that was producing, you know, good numbers of students getting out of getting out of the school. And a lot of the, the men that I interviewed, they said they they wish they would have had a male teacher to help them, um, whether that be a professor or even when they were younger to say, hey, like, this is your this is your roadmap. And it's going to be different because of your identity. And I want to help you to give you the cheat codes to get through it. Um, and so from there, I applied for my teaching credential, went into the multiple subjects. And, and that's where I really started to see, once again, more inequalities, because out of 300 student teachers, this includes single subject and multiple, I was the only black male getting a teaching credential. Wow. The only one. And so a lot of the conversations that were happening are even the way that, you know, I was taught to be an elementary teacher. It's diff- it was, it, I, It's just different. And I, and, and I think that's also giving me my purpose where... I need to be in that space to help uh, those other, you know, to bring in. Because obviously, obviously, if you see Dr. Reed as a professor, and I'm, I'm saying you need to apply for your, you need to apply, you need to get like, if they can see me and I can be their professor and and, and mentor them and coach them through it, that's how you know I I, I know I can and sh- you know share that voice and experience of being a teacher. That's what I'd love to do. Um, but I you know I got through the program, super rig- super rigorous, hard, challenging. But got through it, and uh, but I, the next step was like, well, what do I want to do? Where do I want to go? And I said, well, I really liked my education in Berkeley, um, and I, you know, I was very comfortable in Sacramento. I just I wanted something new, and so I applied back to you know the Bay Area, and you know my first gig was third grade at, um, at Thousand Oaks Elementary School, so Kamala Harris's uh, school that she went to, and then uh, now I'm at Rosa Parks Elementary. So I did third for uh, four years. This is my second year in fifth, and. You know, I've, I've learned a lot, you know, from the administrators I've had, but also it's gotten to the point where it's like now becoming Dr. Reed in a few weeks, 15 weeks. Um, I'm excited to, you know, be that that change maker. And, and really, like I said, it's the joyful disruption that I want to be able to provide in spaces and say, ooh, like that felt different. That felt, but I like that. I, I like that. I think I need a little bit more of that. Um, and so that's what I want to bring into uh, education going forward. Because I think we forget about the joy. We're so focused on, yes, data is important. And that does drive decisions. But where is the joy in all of this? I'm miserable. Do I want to keep doing this? Like, I want joy. I want to, you know, I, want, it, it, I always think about it. It's kind of like uh, when you turn on your favorite song, you know, it's like, what is that? And you, everybody has that song. And it's like, I want to come to work for that song. And it just, it just smothers me. Like, I need a baker. You know, I'm like, oh, here we go. Oh, yes, this is going to yes. be good. I stay in my feelings, as you can see. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's that, mm, you know, so mm-hmm. that was, I mean, I, I, it's that educational journey as far as like, I really want to not flip education, but it's, it's a, the, the, the kids aren't broken. It's the system. So how can we, if we know that the system's all messed up, but the kids are still going through it. How can we make the most out of this, but at the same time providing them an experience where they feel safe, they they want to come to school, and it's different. It's different. I want to flex your brain in different different ways. So that's what I'd like to do is move forward. All of this educational background and move this forward to um, pre-service teachers. I'd love to work with new teachers. Yeah. I mean, Marvin, it, your journey is so fascinating. Thank you for like starting us off as you, as, as a young learner and all the way up to like how you got to where you are now, right? Like all of that is fascinating. And, and I chuckled with the marching band because I was also in marching band. I, yeah. yeah. Right. Like I played the clarinet and I, I loved, loved, I feel like a woodwinder sax. Really? 
taking that from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I definitely still have my clarinet and I definitely, it's on my list to like pick it back up and start like playing again. Um, but I, I completely agree with you about the community piece of marching band, right? Like it was just so much fun being there. And I also like everything that you said, really just like, there's not a lot of black male educators. Um, and then especially in elementary schools as well, we were talking about that prior to this recording as well. Right. And so, um, and, and I love that you're just looking for joy, right? Like we need to have more joy. And I would even add on that it's not just an education, but it's everywhere, honestly. Like there's just not enough joy in, like there's just not enough joy, period. And I think that that is really sad. Like it's disheartening. Um, and I think it's a society. I mean, you're, you did sociology. My sister's also um, um, majoring in sociology and, and is always teaching me so many cool things. And like, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense, right? Like poverty is the reason. <laughs> Like capitalism is the reason. Got it. Noted. Um, and so I think like, I like where we are now, where we are trying to disrupt how things have been. Right. And so for, for this, for this episode, really, we're talking about joyful disruption. And I really, really love this concept that you have been putting out there. And, you know, you're about to graduate. You're, you're soon to be Dr. Reed, which is really exciting. I can't wait to, to call you Dr. Reed as soon as you get it. And so like, tell us more about what this joyful disruption is all about. Well, it started Specifically last year, I remember I had uh, a wonderful student teacher, I'll shout her out, Jamila Johnson. Just she and I just, we we always, we stay playing. We always, you know, just, it was such an experience to have the other, the other adult in the classroom where she was learning and I was learning. And we decided that we wanted to do a songbook. And so I was like, okay, songbook. I've never, you know, songbook, what are we going to do with that? How are we going to get this together? And we started singing songs. So we started off with um, Where is the Love by the Black Eyed Peas. Now that song, and I, and, and I remember when we first sang it with the kids, like they were already, but we showed the music video. What do you see? What do you think? What do you wonder? All these, what connections are you seeing? And they were like, when was, was this um, recorded? Like a few years ago? And I said, no, this was not, you know, this was back in like 2008. Like it was, it was there like, but it seems so relevant. I was like, mm-hmm. And then, the, you know, where is the love? And so we started, you know, we, we had parents come in and help us with choreography. Like we were, we decided to go on a, a, a tour, but it was like caroling. So we, we got together a set list of songs and we would start performing with the kids. And the theme is, was where is the love? So the, 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 we started off with Sister Rosa, our, you know, school's Rosa Parks. So the song is called Sister Rosa by the Neville Brothers. And then it went to Everyday People. And from Everyday People, it went to Grazing in the Grass. Grazing in the grass is a gas. Maybe can you do? But then it ended with "Where Is the Love," and there was choreography. And from that four, from those four songs, we were sitting and we're like, "Wait a minute, let's put let's just put together some more songs in this thing." So we started adding a bunch in there. We were singing um, uh, what's, uh, "Everybody Wants to Rule the World," "All Star," uh, "Sit on the Dock of the Bay," just a bunch of songs from different cultures and songs that really spoke peace and songs that you know we realized as children that got us through, you know, our hard times. And so the, the, to have that songbook, but then the, the disruption piece, because there was joy, obviously. They, like, what are we doing songbook? What are we doing songbook? And they just love to do it. Uh, but I remember, uh, you know, we had this, there was this moment with, uh, you know, my colleagues, which, you know, you know we're great. Um, but there was a time where they said, you know, your music's just too loud. And I sat and I was like, oh, uh, okay, like, um, I was a little taken back, you know, I didn't, you know, they said it's distracting the children, you know, you know, they can't focus. I can't teach da, da, da. And I didn't think it was that loud, you know? And so I was, I was like, okay. And, and I'll be honest, you know, my feelings were a little, you know, hurt. And I remember Jamila telling me, she said, you know what, Marvin, you have a light. And to many people that light can be very intimidating, very intimidating. So, but never let anybody take your light. Never let anybody take your shine. Um, and so I was like, okay, you know, I, I was like, in my feelings, you know, I was like, I just wanted to, you know, be, you know, I want to sing with the kids and now they're saying I'm distracted. And, you know, I did have my moment where I had to take some space, you know, I had to like, you know, okay, like I see how you perceive my, my joy. And, um, from there I said, you know what, 
if this is how, how I'm going to teach these kids and to get them through, and I'll be honest, it was a, a rough class. You know, it was a tough class. You know, as, as a black male teacher, they're going to give you the, t- the toughest of the tough. Let's just be real. Um, it's not black magic. It's just we have a presence of just like, and then once again, in these white spaces, you don't see it. So when you see Mr. Reed walking through like, oh, you know, he has his, his shirt and his tie and like he has his class is always, you know, they're, they're singing, they're dancing. He's challenging them and he's, well, he's talking to them like it's different. And so with the class that I had, we had to be joyfully disruptive because the teaching that they had gone through before of the system didn't work for those kids. But they knew once they knew all them songs in songbook. And so we, you know, we just closed the door and we and we kept our singing in our room. And, um, you know, there were some times where they text me and say, can you turn it down a little bit? I was like, OK, I'll turn it down a little bit. But from that point on, I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep the songbook. I'm going to keep these kids moving and grooving because if we, we also have to think developmentally. These those fifth graders missed out on two years, like of, of is it third and second and third, or third and fourth. They missed out on those 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 years of play. So who are we to rob them of that moment? And so through sync through song, they were able to express themselves, and that's really where I'm like, you know what? There needs to be joy here. And I always I, I walk her because I, that I was getting my principal credential, and I was saying like they're like, oh, here is the principal, Re-, you know, principal Regan. I'm like I'm like now here's the thing. If there are crows on your campus eating the bread that somebody dropped by accident, that's a problem. It's too quiet around. Why is it? It's supposed. Where's the life? You know, this crow. Ah, ah. I'm like, this is this is raggedy. I don't know about this. Like, <laughs> y'all have to come better. So it's always like so that joyful disruption of like, I'm going to provide you a lot of disruption, but always solutions. I think a lot of time when they hear disruption, like, oh, you just burn everything down. I'm like, no, I'm just shaking things up a little bit, but I also want to show you what the future could look like. Right. And so literally all the, the kids I get are in their parents are like, yeah, you've just pulled out so many different parts of them, of who they are. And they, they love coming to school. They love they, they're upset when you're not there. And like, that's not magic. It's just I'm just disrupting a white space, even from the way that that classroom is structured. It's not a normal classroom. Right. There's over 200 flags up in that classroom. Like you can see yourself in some way of that, that classroom ecology. Uh, and I take that really, really to heart. Like I don't have a bunch of anchor charts everywhere because it turns into wallpaper, right? Where's their art, you know, that they've put together? Um, where is, where's their thoughts, their beliefs? Um, and even being artistic with how you show identity, like there's a, you know, a pride flag, right? You have that up, but then a, a, a privacy glass that's stained that when the light hits it, it reflects a rainbow. Those artistic designs to create the space. And, you know, I, I was really you know, inspired by art, uh, art in a museum. Like when you go to a museum, there's so many talking pieces around the space where a kid can, you know, come back every day and find something new that they didn't see before in that classroom. Because it's, 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 that's our space. Like, oh, I didn't know that Mr. Reed had you know, a rubber ducky up in the top corner there. And like, oh, that's up. He has a marching band shako, a little hat up on the corner. I never saw that before. Like there's something new for everybody in that space. Um, so it's, once again, just disrupting the space. Like what else can you do? What else you got? Um, and I'm always thinking like, okay, I want to try this instead. Or instead of doing um, them write a paper, like they'll, you know, they'll write the paper, but let's do a TED talk. Let's have them take that paper and they get to dress up. And I'm going to show them how to dress up. And they, I'll put a big, big red circle on the ground for their TED talk. And they'll have a mic and then they'll have a clicker and they're, they're the expert. And then they'll, they'll feel empowered that in a, in maybe in, in, in positions or, or that they've never done before. So I'm always trying to think differently and just try to, because teaching is an art, but I think a lot of times people stick to those same raggedy pacing guides, same curriculum that we know don't work for everybody. It's because it's easy, Marvin. It's easy. You're putting, like, oh, I'll put the TV dinner in the microwave. I'll put the TV dinner, they'll eat it. Like, no, I'm tired of TV dinners. Can we do something else? Yeah, and I really, I, I just love the concept of disrupting things joyfully. Like, you know, and I, I never even considered that mm-hmm. as well. And, you know, as you were talking to when you said like, okay, you're bringing in so much more joy, right? But then like people have so much to say and it's kind of like deflating. It's like, okay, I'm trying to make this a more engaging and more fun and like just more happy, honestly. And and then you hear like these things because people aren't used to that, right? Like I know, I know that I was definitely one of those people that I'm like, oh my gosh, here's like this happy-go-lucky person again, right? And I really had to shift that and be like, oh, I'm 
I'm negative Nancy and that's not okay. And like, what is bringing them joy is something that I should not be interrupting or judging because joy is essentially what's missing in my opinion with a lot of things. Right. And I'm also thinking too now, Marvin, because I work with adults. And so I'm always trying to figure out like, how can we get adults to play? Because we don't play enough. Mm. We don't play enough. And I was also trying to think about like, you know, you roller skate and I love watching your videos and seeing your pictures. And of course you're in the Bay Area, so it's great for roller skating. Um, And and I know that for me, that is when I play because I am really terrible at roller skating. I started in 2021, 2022, one of them. I'm like falling on my butt. <laughs> it's great. Um, and so I think like, you know, whenever I come into contact with educators, right, I'm always constantly asking like, hey, what is bringing you joy today, right? Like, what is it that you you are doing to incorporate play more into your life? Because I think we are so um, into our work, right? And just always constantly working and especially mm. educators who just are always grading or always doing this or always doing that, right? Like there's so much to do as an educator. And I think I like to push for our educators to be like, you know what? There's always going to be work. Go do something. Yeah. Go do something that brings you joy. Like pause, get away from your computer, pause away from, you know, like get away from like all the teacher things that you're doing. Um, And so Another thing, too, that I'm really curious about, just off script, Marvin, and I mean, you've done really great with all your answers, so this is great. Um, How do you incorporate, like, you have a passion for music, and I completely agree that music is so important Mm -hmm. in creating that joy and evoking so many types of emotions, right? So how do you, how did you do this songbook and also follow the quote-unquote curriculum that the school has you um, ex- has expect you know has expected for you to follow um, and then joy because I know like there's music curriculum and joy how did you balance that out? Well, it was it was or- since me being a conductor, I f- I'm always orchestrating a moment. So literally the transitions are all, I, I don't have any like eh, eh, little timers. I use the music. So I'm like, you got to the end of this song to be cleaned up and ready to go home, or you know the music's playing in the background, but I'll literally choose songs intentionally. Well, I said, whether it be Jill Scott, Lauren Hill, or even like Tupac Instrumental, where I know that there's a child in my class that connects to that song, or if I'm putting some kumbaya underneath the background, just really subtly. So it's not too distracting, but the brain, the schema is being activated because I want to create the, I want the brain to feel like it's at home. Like I want to like, wow, like I don't feel like I'm at school. And for that moment, for the six hours that you're with me, you don't got to worry about anything. Because this is home. This is not a classroom. This is a living space. We are living together. And so the music is working as the transitions. The music is working as, as the timer. So, and, and, and time moves differently. I call it the Disneyland effect. You ever go to Disneyland and music's always playing, you forget about time. And it just keeps going. Even though that track ended, it's still going. So you, you, your brain has been has been taken out of this realm of time. Four hours have gone by, but you but you don't know because you're hearing all of these these tracks going, it's manipulating time. So yes. I use that as a way to train to, to train the brain, trick it a little bit. But then for the songbook, to, it's all standards based. So if I know I have to teach about like I, I use the social justice standards, right? So I'm talking about identity, diversity, justice, and action. If I know that's my realm. The, the first activity for the first few weeks of school is, what is your identity playlist? What five songs make up who you are? And I'll share mine with them. So I'm like, I got Ooh, Child, Things Will It Easier, and I have some background information. I got Return of the Mac. I got, you know, uh, uh, Bring Me to Life, because I'm a little, I get my feelings sometimes. Uh, and then I got Anita Baker giving the best that I got. Like, I'm, I, I'm telling you now, like, I'm, I'm here. Like, I'm giving you the best that I got. Like, I, this is what I got for you. And so I share that that's my vulnerable moment of my identity. Right. But then as a class, the diversity of like, wow, all of these songs make up this playlist. And it also helps me as a teacher to see what kind of music you listen into. Right. Uh, but then it, it makes me also realize like, wow, like the justice thing here is like, not everybody ha- has been exposed to, you know, these, these songs, like I said, where is the love or, um, 
waiting on the John Mayer waiting on the uh, uh, waiting on the world to change. You know those kind of songs. I'm like, they need to be listening to that and get that in their soul. You know, and so that's where I'm like, okay, the songs that are in here, I'm gonna expose you to he- the, the healers. Like, this is gonna heal your soul, and you have access to this playlist when you're studying, when you're in middle school. Like, you can always go back to this playlist. Um, and so when you sing it, I really want you, I want that to empower you. So I use that to launch the the year. Then I knew that I'm like, okay, these kids need to know how to. Um, have a summary or they had to answer a prompt. So the first prompt was, um, according to Brandy, what is a best friend? Yes. Great. You need to cite evidence. You need to make sure it's relevant evidence and you need to be concise. And so they said, you know, according to the authors, hyphen Brandy, a best friend is someone who's got your back. Um, in the text, it says, um, you know, whether, whether the good, uh, then I'm bad, like whether I'm good, whether I win, lose or if I win, I know that one thing will never change, and that's you as my best friend. Okay, this evidence is significant because it proves the fact that a, bre- a best friend will never give up on you, whether you, you know, this and that. Like, that's that's it. I've met the standard. That's what they have to be able to do. Um, so I'll use those lyrics or those songs to be able to, to help them practice standards and then tell them, like, yeah, you're meeting grade-level standards. You're just not doing it with a, a, a thick packet, you know, which I mean, I get there eventually, but I got to hook them in first. Because yeah, now that yeah. you have to do it, Okay, now do it with this. Okay, now watch this video. And now try it with this. So I got to expose them to different forms of media to play around with this standard because we do it with as adults all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not just on a packet. Mm-hmm. I, I can show you. I can put on a video and tell you the main ideas. I can, like today, we learned about the Little Rock Nine, right? And the topic came up of uh, uh, Eisenhower, right? And so I was saying that Eisenhower, um, he wasn't exposed. I was like, why was Eisenhower not prepared to handle what was happening during the civil rights movement of, of Little Rock Nine. And so they were saying, well, it's not his fault. He just didn't grow up around diversity. He grew up around, you know, all white people and he did these white, you know, white men, like, like boys, the, the boys club and, 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 and all the, 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 um, the sports and everything. He didn't have no diversity. So then when they were, all this integration was happening and there's these uproar, he's like, oh my God, like what's happening? I just wanted to do the right thing, but it's, he didn't know. Right. And so, for them to think critically, then somebody said, well, um, in Mulan, she had to pretend to be um, a man just to be in the war. And I was like, yes. And then somebody said, well, isn't this Rosie the River? I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, now people. So now I've gotten to the, gotten to the point where this is why you need to go to school, right? Or even I call it volleying in this space because now you're getting references. You get, it's not just, oh, Mulan is on the surface. You're, you're deep now. You're saying, oh, wow, this is re- referring back to this. This happened back in the, the World War where women had to pretend to be men just because they wanted to fight. I get it. I get it now. Right. So the music has been a scaffold for, to, that, to open up that vulnerability. Right. And seeing who they are. But they just know it's part of our culture. When you step into that classroom, there's something playing. There's something setting the mood. And they say that mystery is a big band geek. So, like, I'll be conducting all these songbook. I'm like, there's I the Tiger. I'm like, there's a release on B4. So before it, then they see how successful I am with the Blue Devils thing, and I show them my videos of me doing the drum corps thing, and they're they're really proud of me, and they're just really there's a lot of pride saying I'm in Mr. Reed's class. I mean, and also because you are so proud of what you're doing. Oh so, yeah, you know what I'm, I'm saying. So like I'm they the feel. <laughs> right. And they and they feel that. And I always say too, like your students know exactly how you're feeling. Like if you believe in them, then they believe in themselves. If you're mm-hmm. happy about mm-hmm. it, they're going to be happy about it. If you're passionate about it, if you're frustrated about it, they're going to do the same thing. Right. And and I, I love this. So for listeners who don't know the social justice standards, um, it is you can find it through Learning for Justice. And that's actually where Marvin and I met. We were part of the teacher advisory. And so um, thank you for pointing out the social justice standards as well, so that our listeners can definitely take a look at that. And I'm also thinking about we need a playlist for this episode because yes. of all these yes. bomb songs that you're like just dropping i feel like we definitely should have a playlist for this so hopefully zach will create one or maybe i will i don't know we'll see there you go. Um, and and this made me also think about my one of my lessons with my seventh graders. We were talking about poetry, um, yes. and I kind of reeled them in with Nicki Minaj's song because she's so good with like metaphors and simile, like her rhyme and her rhythm. Religion. 
Yes, mm-hmm. her alliteration, like everything. She just had all of it. And so I just remember my kids being so excited and like, wait, what? We're going to, we're listening to Nicki Minaj. <laughs> I'm like, yes, we are. Yes. The radio version though. <laughs> That's the relevance. Cause they're always like, why do I need to learn this? Whereas like, it's here. This, mm-hmm. what you're that's it right there. You know, like you'll listen, like I meet Dork out musical theater. I'm like, Nikki would make a great Mrs. Lovitz and Sweeney Todd. <laughs> she would make, she would be great in Sweeney Todd because she has that rhythm. Uh, wait, what's your rush? What's your herb? She, she can do all that manipulation and just on it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, it's just really interesting too. I, and of course, I'm sure you've heard of like the whole beef with Megan the Stallion and Nicki Minaj too. That's kind yeah. of all over they, the place they, too. So, they need to be in musicals. <laughs> right. 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 So, I mean, and just like the words and how they, they use the words, right? It's really dope and just brings a lot of emotions and people are learning a lot, even through their lyrics that they're creating. And so I think that that's really great. Um, and another thing that made me laugh too is that, um, I led a session on like mastery based grading and one of the songs mm-hmm. that I put on was just my imagination because Ooh. when I grade, I like to think that I don't have a lot to grade. <laughs> so, and you're tricking the brain. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, again, right, like music just brings so much joy. And I don't think that I, I, I often overlook the impact of music. And so thank you for like reminding me to get back into, into that, that soul that, you know, just the music and, and everything that comes with listening to music and dancing with it. Right. So you kind of um, named some ideas on how our, our elementary educators or just educators can employ like, or infuse joy into the learning process clearly with music. Right. And, and so, but how can school leaders create environments that encourage like, joy with a sense of joy for both educators and students. I think the biggest thing that I've I've learned from the administrator I have is just having the the buy-in and the support and the kids need to see that leader doing it. You know, it's it's and like I said the principals I know they have a lot on their plates and as as or any director, right? I get it, but you got to get out of that screen sometime and get in the scene. Um otherwise like who are you again? Oh, I got to go to the principal's office. Like you need to change that narrative. Like sing with the kids, go, go in that, you know, do whatever, row, row your boat or whatever. I sing, I the tiger with us. They're going to think you're the coolest person ever. Right. But you have to make sure that you're as a principal, like you're also not silencing mystery and saying, no, you need to stop. You know, you need, you can't do that. Like, well, why can't I like, no, this principal has been like, oh yeah. Like I'm, I'll be listening. She, uh, she came in for my little informal observation and we, she put up, she, she requested last dance by Donna Summers. It's in the, the songbook. But the, we, the kids never requested it. So they're like, I don't know what this song is. And it's like, I'm like, this is a really good song. You, know, you just haven't requested it. Um, and so my, my principal was just, she was all, she was just singing, dancing. They were like, oh my God, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> but it's those things like that. And, and if it's not through music, you know, and, encourage more opportunities for kids to perform. I think uh, for me, seeing children in that state when they're in front of people performing and there's that, that innocence, right, being being stretched in front of like a hundred people watching these these children, like if they can master that, then when they're back in that classroom, they can do anything. Because you put them through such, you kind of overtrain them. Like, oh my god, I'm not I'm not a public speaker. You just sang, you know, um, let uh, here comes the sun in front of two hundred parents. Now you just got like twenty two kids that you got to do your presentation in front of. It's easy, but if you don't give children opportunities to do that then we're only focusing on one side of the brain or one part of the child, right? That's how you hook them in. They're like, oh, yeah, I remember singing every Friday in Mr. Reese class for the assemblies. We did plays. We were able to make our informative paper a rap. I remember he put on this song, and it was like you got to flex their brain in different parts so that the principals also got to encourage that creativity as well. Like basically, like, what else you got? What else you got? That's why I'm always thinking of like I like uh, the Food Network, the show Chopped. Yes. And, and I think of that like teaching. Like, I, I, I don't know what's in this mystery basket. I have no idea what's going to be. I have an idea of what I could put together. But when I get it, I'm like, okay, this is my class. What am I going to do with these items? Um, well, first off, this parent is really good at choreography. So I can pull them in to teach a song for it. Okay. And then this kid, oh, he's got the move. So he's going to inspire. But this person, like, and I put those, those ingredients together. And try something in it for a new dish. Because a lot of teachers, as we said earlier, they're comfortable. 
and they'll keep you know producing the same meals. But I'm like, that's not, like, I'm tired of macaroni. Can I have something new? Or that's craft. Do you not make it from scratch? Because the meals or the lessons that the kids remember are the ones that you cooked from scratch, the ones that weren't part of the curriculum. It's like your mother's like peach cobbler. Like you are like, that wasn't bought. Like she made that from scratch. She didn't even use um, the pans to measure out how she just knew by feel. This is about this much. This is this much. And those are the meals that the soul food that kids remember. They remember that. They, they're not going to remember, what is it? Uh, back in 1928 uh, on the corner of, they're not going to remember all that stuff. They're, they're gonna remember how you made like the, the how you made them feel, right? Yes. Then, oh, I remember when you know Mr. Reed. You know, it was not he, he. He called it not so crazy hair day, and he was he's missing for like the first five minutes of school, and then he showed up with an afro. I remember that. Like those are the moments that you create with the children, but it has to be a cultural thing at that school. I mean, that's it, this is my second site that I've been in, and this is my third principal. I think the biggest thing that I've learned from all three is like you as the leader create that climate. So climate is how we feel. Culture is how we behave. And I'm always interested, like, as I, I look at their leadership and, and like, hmm, like, are you constantly reflecting on the leadership that you're enacting and, and, and the results that it's getting? Or are you just executing? Because that's the, I, I always tell student teachers, the most important part of the lesson is reflection. It doesn't matter about the, the hook or the, the, the how you were circulating. If you're not reflecting on how that lesson went, I don't care. It's reflection. So are you as an administrative leader, are you reflecting on your school's culture? Is there a culture of joy on your campus? And, and, and the thing is, have you as the principal or, and our teacher modeled the expectations of joy in the classroom? Mm. Have children seen it? And I don't, I don't think we, we, we I, I think I asked uh, well, a teacher that they're like, oh, um, joy in my classroom is when kids are reading. I was like, no, that's compliance. That's not joy. Have they seen you? Because for me, I'm always like, oh, hi, it's so good to see you. And oh, like I'm always modeling kindness too, kindness and joy. So I'm like, and I show them that these third graders or whoever grade, I'm like, oh, hi, Miss So-and-so. And I give them a hug. I'm like, it's so good to see you. And no, I totally forgot. Like they need to see that engagement. It doesn't yeah. matter if I'm a fifth grade teacher and you're in second grade. Eventually you're going to get up here, but you need to see that I'm human too. Yes. And I, I want to show you what I'm modeling joy for you. What are the expectations of joy? That is something that I definitely want to like process and reflect on the expectations of joy, because I don't think I've ever like thought about it. Okay. And also I, you know, when you said reading brings, you know, reading, when I see my students read, I'm like, oh, as an English teacher, come on, Marvin, that does bring us joy. Yeah, and- <laughs> quiet and read. I'm like, okay, I'll open my book and sit there. Yeah, no, I no, I completely understand. I think with me, I used to do book talks with my students. Oh, yes. And yes. they just saw how nerdy and passionate and like excited I got with my books. And so they would always be like, Hey Miss D, like what book should I read? I really like this. And I would have all the recommendations and they'd be like, wow, you're like such a, like, you're such a huge nerd. You really like reading. And I'm like, yes, I love it. It really makes me so happy. <laughs> and then because they see me so happy, then they're like, okay, yes. bet I'm going to go read this. And I'm sure I'll find the same joy that Ms. D had when reading this book and knowing yeah. that like Ms. D picked this out specifically for me based on what I, what, what I told Ms. D. Right. So it's like, it's, I don't know. It's just so fascinating how um, kids or ever just people in general pick up your your emotions, your feelings, and your excitement, right? Uh-huh. And and I really love the concept too of like bringing the community, right? Like, hey, let's show face. Like, who can do this thing, and how can they come into our living space? Yes, and do this thing with us, right? Because again, things magical things happen when we're in community. And I think that that's something that we always want to say too. And as far as like leaders, because teachers are leaders too, right? We want to continue like modeling. We want to model, like we are human beings and let's laugh. Let's laugh more. Like it's really like, oh, like this person said, or this student said a really silly thing. Let's laugh. (laughs) <laughs> like okay that may not have been the most appropriate thing to say funny now please stop <laughs> I'm, human. I'm like that and and i think to, to go back to like, like the magic of the classroom and this actually connects to my research like a lot of what i'm pr- talking to you about i was inspired by fred rogers and lavar burton so the reading rainbow guy and mr rogers neighborhood like those 
idols, those teachers taught me through a screen, right? And then when the pandemic happened, I was doing that for children. So this whole thing, it's always seeking first to understand and in the, in the questioning of children saying, tell me more about that. Really, that, that must have hurt, huh? Or no, I never thought about it like that. That's interesting. Or have you considered this? Like, yeah, sometimes I get really, I bite my nails sometimes. I get really nervous. But what I could do, I have this really soft rock in my pocket and I just, and, and, and sharing with that with them because they see us adults as like, you, you have it all figured out. It's like, I don't have it all figured out and I'm really nervous right now. You know, they need to hear that. And it's like, yes. like we're figured out together. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm doing well. How are you? Just, it's, it's so good to see you. It's so good to see you. Kids need to hear that because some, maybe they haven't heard that. It's so good to yeah. see you. And, and, you know, I work with middle schoolers and we all know middle schoolers are heinous sometimes. Um, and one thing that I would always say is like, man, I'm so happy to see you and you are so annoying right now. <laughs> um, and, you know, like, oh, I really love hearing your stories. And please just like hold your stories and I will get back to you because I need to go do this thing. <laughs> so it's like, hey, I want to provide this space for you, right? Yeah, right. And I want to also honor my restrictions and my boundaries as well. And so, yeah, I mean, I, oh my gosh, I miss the kids so much. So much fun. Um, okay, well, listeners, we're going to take a quick break for an announcement. And then when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about Joy with Marvin. How's it going, listeners? This is Zach. What an incredible episode with Tony Rhodes and Marvin. I'm just having such a great time editing this one. Uh, but I have some announcements for you for the upcoming week with learning experiences. First off, it's the last learner series with Genially. You can join this workshop to celebrate wins and troubleshoot challenges with the community when you implemented the Genially resources that you created. You can join us on Tuesday, February 13th at 6 p.m. Eastern. Are you looking for a virtual connection? You can join our implementer meetup on Wednesday, the 14th, Valentine's Day, at 7 p.m. Eastern to connect with other modern classroom educators. And finally, we're presenting at AASA in San Diego. You can join our session from suspensions to self-regulation, educators who flipped the script. It's session number 1931, and that's on February 16th at 3.45 to 4.45 p.m. Stop by if you're around. And of course, you can always check the show notes for this episode for registration links and more details. Calling all Los Angeles educators. My name is Avery, your West Coast Partnerships Manager here at MCP. And do we have an exciting opportunity for you. Modern Classrooms Project is thrilled to announce the launch of our second fully funded regional scholarship here in California, the Los Angeles Educators Scholarship. If you've been looking to transform your classroom into an equitable, student-centered space, enroll in our, again, fully funded virtual mentorship program, plus a $500 stipend through MCP's Los Angeles Educator Scholarship. Just go to modernclassrooms.org forward slash Los Angeles to apply today. If you have any questions or want to connect, you can reach me, Avery Belaspas, at avery.belaspas at modernclassrooms.org. That's A, V's and Victor. E-R-Y dot B as in boy, A-L-A-S, B as in boy, A-S at modernclassrooms.org. We look forward to seeing your application. All right. And now we're back with Marvin. Um, this episode is really, really something because I've just been pushing for joy. Always, wherever I go, whoever I meet, even my text messages for my for my friends are always like, hey, tell me three good things or tell me something that brought you joy today and specifically today, not yesterday, not a week ago, today, right? And so just hearing this passion of yours of joyful disruption and putting those two words together that I would have never put together, right? Um, I, I This just... It just makes me so happy, Marvin. So uh, thank you. Thank you for that. And so like here at Modern Classrooms, right, um, we create a more human-centered learning environment through like self-pacing, blended, mastery-based learning. So if we think about it, right, like we're not really getting rid of like the whole group. We're just not doing it often because what we think also is like the traditional way of teaching and learning, like you said, right, it doesn't work for a lot of people and people have been doing it because it's easy, because it's been working for them, right? Quote, 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 unquote. And so um, 
what are your thoughts on self-pacing for elementary school students? You kind of like talked about this in a sense of like, oh, my two favorite, you know, teachers like Mr. Rogers, right? Like you were watching them and you were kind of going along with um, just watching the the show as well as like learning a little bit about like how to create that space, right? And and the thing with self-pacing is really allowing for our students to show up as they are, show up wherever they may have stopped before and not expecting them to um, learn the same time, the same pace as everyone else. What are your thoughts on self-pacing? I'm curious. Mm, I think it's giving them just opportunities of, of access. I, I truly believe in access because if they don't have access, they're not free. Um, I think if you can have, it's, it's the whole thing of like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so can read when I'm sitting next to them. Like that's an access. Right. When they're gone with you next year, what are you going to do? Like they can't read. Um, and so a lot of my class, a lot of projects, a lot of projects with a ton of scaffolding. So that, if that includes making sure that each kid has the we have the read aloud, the actual book. Every kid has a copy of the book in some way, whether it's and projected the book. There's an audio book. of like you can hear it. You can track like I don't want I always tell them there's no excuse why you can't be successful today. And you are the CEO of your learning. And I will provide you all the materials for your company, right? But at the end of the day, you've got to make the choice what kind of company you want to have. Um, and so I with the pacing love up, that, Marvin. Like, yeah, you're the boss. I've, I, I've already done fifth grade. I'm in 24th grade. I've already done what's all that. I'm trying to help you out here because I'm on my way out of the system. You just, you still, you got ways to go. Um, but you're the boss. And so whether, you know, you decide not to pay attention today or whatever, you still have the, the tools and the resource to get your education because you deserve that. You truly yes. deserve that. Uh, but I'm not going to, I may be, I, I would rather be behind in a pacing guide to know that as a class, we're all supporting one another, another, one another and being able to, I say volley in the space with conversations versus I've got eight, you know, the 80, 20, you know, oh, well, the 20%, they're never, they're still going to stay like, no, we're all going together. We're mm. going to figure this out. Um, and I told them, I literally told them yesterday, we were doing um, adding and subtracting, uh, we're reviewing adding and subtracting fractions with unlike denominators. That's a mouthful. Um, and so they were, some kids were having, because these kids missed out on first and second grade, foundational, foundational grades. They've missed out on this. So I see the gaps as far as fluency. So my student teachers were up there and some kids just weren't making the connection of like, let's say if it's one, one fourth. And let's say um, two thirds. Okay, so four and three is the denominator. How do I find out the lowest common denominator with that? It's like if you don't know your fluency, your facts, you're not going to see that it's twelve. So I had to, I had to jump in. And I told him I was like, right now, y'all going to school. Cause I use a lot of analogies. I'm like, it's like going to the dentist. And you know, when you go to the dentist, you know, you, what do you have to do to, to for them to do work? They like say, open your mouth. Yeah, you have to open your mouth, right? And I'm not judging you. I know some of y'all breath stink, but it's okay. And they're like, oh, I was like, no, but I have my mask on, no judgment. But I'm just saying here, like, I got to get in there. I got to floss you out a little bit, clean out the, some of the, the things. If y'all got a cavity, it's okay. We can we can fix that now before it gets to a root canal. Mm. And then you're in more, and then some of you are gonna start to lose teeth. Ask, qu- open that mouth and ask questions. So I was like, so let's be honest. How many of you are still stuck on the the, the denominator and changing four hands? Like, okay, cool. Let's take a step back. And let's let's set it, let's get some procedural fluency set up. So let's try doing it this way. And I showed them like to skip out three, six, nine, twelve, and you know that. And okay, where do you like bingo? Do you see both those numbers and both? Are, they're like, oh. And then this is the 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 joy of the classroom when, as the teachers when you hear, oh, 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 I see, I see it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. When you hear that and that dopamine is shooting off, that's when you know, like. That's why I do it. It's hard to explain this to somebody who doesn't teach, but when they go. Oh, 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 okay. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, and then you take that, but that, and then you, okay, okay, I can do it. That's what Marvin, high school students sound the same, <laughs> also adults. <laughs> Are we like you're reading something and like they, they make a reference? Like we watched the episode of I Love Lucy, and in the book it says, Lucy. Oh, we want all that. I was like, now you get the references. I, this is called spiral curriculum. Like now you're seeing like, oh, we watched The Wizard of Oz and we, we read the first rule of punk. I don't know if you've read that book. Mm-hmm. Um, first rule of punk. And it was talking about this um, Latina girl who traveled from Chicago to another place and she, she didn't have any friends. So her dad kept saying, 
you need to find your 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 Wizard of Oz, your no, your Yellow Brick Road posse. Now, a lot of the kids didn't know what a yellow the Yellow Brick. What does that mean? So I had to show them Wizard of Oz, which provided the scaffolding for them to understand really like the references of this text. So who's the Dorothy of this text? Who's the the witch? Who's this? Like, because authors will do that. They're, but if you don't get the references, the kids are it's, it's over their heads. So. Once again, you got to meet them where they are. And I'll be honest, sometimes I don't preview all of it. I kind of skim through the text, right, or whatever. But I need to make sure that I give them opportunities for the brain to be able to make the connections mm-hmm. with everything that, that that text, especially if it's a rich text um, that's offering, whether it's One Crazy Summer and it's talking about the Black Panthers in Oakland, California. We got to do some scaffolding. We got to watch some videos on what were the 10 points of the Black Panthers? How have, how have, they, have they made a difference in your community? You're in Berkeley, California. That's like 10 minutes down the road. Right. You need to know this, you know, and that's the relevance piece. So, I mean, is that in the, the, the curriculum that we're using? No, it's not. But for these kids in their community, they need to know that. They need and to I mean, it ties back to that Latin billings. Yeah. And I, I was even thinking to Marvin of whenever we put text in front of students, really mm. figuring out what we need to scaffold and what we need to provide uh, background information on. Right. Like we can't just assume that all students know. Um, I like to always go in assuming they don't know <laughs> and then just, you know, be like, oh, did you know, the yellow brick road is referencing this. Who knows this? Oh, nobody. Cool. Let's, <laughs> you know, let's talk about this. Michael Jackson. I was like, okay, that's the whiz. You're not wrong, uh, but we're going to show you a little bit of both. Yes, <laughs> You're not yes, wrong. Yes. <laughs> like, I one. I was like, okay, so, okay, you know, okay. How many of y'all seen The Wiz? None of the white kids knew what it was, but black kids, like, oh, I got, yes. I got some, my mom happens on the on a tape. Okay, good. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Um, love it, love it, love it. And I know, okay, so Marvin, I, I feel like you and I can talk for so long. This is just such a great topic. And you kind of alluded to this already in the beginning. So let's just restate or add on. What do you hope to see in the future? Um, what goals do you have? I mean, we were talking about this prior to recording as well. So I'm curious as to what you'd like to share with our listeners. I'd like to see safer classrooms. I think for me, it breaks my heart when children are sitting in cold classrooms that are sterile, dark, um, no life. And for me, my thing is just as a cop can, you know, suffocate a man, a, ch- a teacher can do the same thing in a classroom to a child. And there's some teachers who aren't getting up. They're staying down on, on the throats of these children and saying, nope, this, I've been teaching like this for 30 years. I'm not changing the way I teach. Get over it. Um, and so our children are suffocating. They can't breathe. And I'd like to see spaces where, they're, they're, I guess I feel like I'm home. I feel like I can show up in here my authentic self. I'm, it, and, and there's more learning happening than schooling. That sitting up straight, quiet, and it's like, do, is, so you're telling me the only way that you collect data as far as like um, informal assessment is a quiet raised hand? That's, that's your, that, this, this quiet raised hand is the only way I get student voice and then the oh oh and they're like they're like shaking that seat you know they're really trying but you never call on them like what are other ways that you can get the verb the 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 the, the buzz of the room and everybody's up and moving and 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 there's so much like like the energy's going and because I, I always say if, if quiet classrooms are scary to me sometimes there's a there's a time for it right I get that but if that classroom is like a library that, that something's off something's off something's off that for me I'm like. Mm. The classroom. And I'm like, and like I said, there's, there's, there's balance. There's yin and yang. Like you got to have like, not like crazy off the hook up in there, but kids should be up and moving and not just me talk. And I even tell them, I'm going to stop talking because I've been talking way too much. I need you. I'm going to get you up and moving. Um, so that way you're going to be talking to each other. So I won't, I won't take any more questions right now. Just put on a sticky note, but I need for you to be d- doing the do now. So I, I just tell them because you should be talking to it, not me talking to you and setting that part of, of the culture of the space. Um, because kids deserve that. I think kids are kids are you know are an oppressed class in itself. They like they don't they, they, kids aren't taken seriously. They're not listened to. Um, parents and adults were always just so busy. Like we're just but just to take the time to slow down and just to, how are you doing today? Oh, I love that dinosaur sweater. 
Who did mm-hmm. you wear that mask? I never saw you wear that. They say, oh, well, you know, I went to uh, Legoland and we, we got it there. Yeah, my brother, he, oh, yeah, they'll just talk, right? But for so some, I'm like, they're like, because one of the teachers like, Marvin, go home. Like, you know, but it's because I'll go making copies after school. And, I'll, and I'll, they'll say, Mr. Reed, Mr. Reed. And, I, and I'll talk to them. I'm listening, right? They're like, the, the teacher's like, you need to go home. Like, it's, it's your after hours. Like, but that's data. Mm-hmm. That's data. What's important to these kids right now? Because that's informing my practices. Because once again, these are these are not I won't say normal. Like these are the pandemic kids. They're, they're they're in an endemic now, right? So developmentally, a fifth grader is like a third, fourth grader. A, a third grader is like a first, second grader, right? So I have to see what are the trends in social emotional practices that I have to weave into my pedagogy. Like that's the thing. Yeah, I got a pacing guy. I could teach. I know I could teach. But the kids that they're going to give us, there's a lot of more research and you got to listen more to really figure out how you're going to teach them. Because yeah. those third, uh, third, I mean, the first week of third, I'm the tech teacher leader. Uh, first week of third grade, I had to change some passwords. I went in the classroom. They say, okay, you know, Mr. Reese going to help you with your, with your computer. I get in there, right? Um, I say, hi, how are you doing? The girl says, I'm okay. I don't know my password. I'm like, oh, I, I can change it. What's your name? She says, my name's, you know, this. I was like, what's your last name? She says, what what is my last name? I'm like, oh, that's what I'm asking you. What? She says, I don't know. So I'm like, okay, it's okay. And she's like, oh, you know, it's okay. And then another kid's like, do you know my name? I go, oh no, I don't. I just got here. I don't. I don't know your name. So third graders who one don't know their name or their last name. Ah, <laughs> what's my name? I'm like, I, I don't even know. I just walked in. I don't know who you are. Can you, can you tell me mine too? I'm like, oh, God. And they're serious. They don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, all of that, what you said, right? Like a safe and a brave classroom, right? Mm-hmm. Like for us to really just show up as authentically as ourselves and not just as students, but as teachers as well, right? And I love that you said that when you're after school and talking to students, I feel like I always stayed after school too. And it always was longer because my students had so many stories and they or just they wanted to class- be there. Yes. And I, I love that. <laughs> yeah, those um, are the relationships. Because if you can get yes. them to their friends and then you become that cool but strict Crazy, but good teacher. Right, exactly. And just fun, fun and lots of joy, right? Like, oh, you know that, in, right? Like, oh, you know, like, you know, you're going to have a good time in this class. And and another thing, too, that I, I learned also in embracing is that I used to hate da- um, data, Marvin. Like, I hated it. It's numbers. But now understanding that anecdotes and emotions are also data. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that makes me love data so much more because those are things, right? Like the social emotional learning, those are really important for our our kids and even for us as individuals. And so I really appreciate you naming that. I would, I would really, really love for safe and brave classrooms as well. Um, And, you know, this is actually perfect too, because we are um, recording on the first day of February, which, yes. you know, happy Black History Month, by the way. I think every day is Black History. Um, yeah. And so another thing that I would really push for our listeners is to also focus on Black joy. Because mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like that's not covered enough. Um because it's the same, like you said, it's the same thing over and over again, right? And, you know, the people that we celebrate are amazing. There's more there's than more. I have a dream speech, people. Yes. There's more than the speech. There's more than that. There's more than Sister Rosa. I love Sister Rosa, but there's more. You got to mix it up a little bit. Lord. Exactly. Exactly. So we got to bring in more joy when we talk about um, Black History Month. Right. And so and I think this is just perfect. Perfect. So I appreciate you just being in this space with me, being spending this time with me and just sharing your stories, Marvin. And I'm sure that our listeners would love to connect with you. So how how can our listeners connect with you? So you can I, I got some social media stuff out there. You can find me on the find me on the Instagram, um, just major teach, um, Twitter major teach, um, or even like I said, if you would like to email, like I have my email out there as well, which is just Marvin J. Reed at gmail.com. I'd love to have a conversation and um, keep finding new ways to be innovative in our classroom, but most importantly, finding joy and, and finding ways for that play. Cause I know for me, I'm a workaholic, so I'm really working on finding more ways to play and just live in the moment with people and and being present. Like, so I'm with 10-year-olds all day, so I'm like, I just want to keep talking to you all day. 
I mean, with 10 year olds all day. <laughs> but I, you know, something that I'm doing too, which is really funny, is like balancing being a six year old of like constantly asking why and finding play. And yeah. then also like a 90 year old. So, like, uh, my, my grandmother's 90. And, you know, the whole um, attitude of older people are like, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm trying to balance a six year old me and like a 90 year old future me. And I just want to embrace that. <laughs> So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So again, thank you so much, Marvin. I really appreciate just being in this space with you. And I hope that you and I can connect in person at some point and go roller skating because I think yes. that would be so dope. Yes. Um, so uh, listeners, remember, you can always email us at podcast at modernclassrooms.org. And you can find the show notes for this episode of podcast at modernclassrooms.org slash 176. We'll have this episode's transcript uploaded by Friday. So be sure to check back to access those. Also, we are asking our listeners to leave a review if this podcast has been helpful and supporting you create help in supporting you to create a human-centered learning environment through a blended self-paced mastery-based model. It does help other folks find it. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week. We'll be back next Sunday and please go do something that brings you joy. Thank you, Marvin. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org and you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj, that's P-R-O-J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students in schools. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast.